theory or practice, it's a constant battle when you're teaching. I'm Dr. Joy Patterson, the Director of Educator Preparation at Governor State University and the College of Education. And I'm Dr. Amy Viaclia, Governor State University Assistant Professor of English Teacher Education. In teaching and learning theory versus practice, Dr. Joy and I will duke it out over whether theory or practice wins the match. Yeah, I can't wait. So whether you're a teacher, an education leader, or looking to learn more about the field, you can hear from industry experts on education topics. We invite you to be the judge as we box it out. Stick around to find out who wins this week's match. Good morning, Joy. I'm so excited to have a conversation with you today about teaching and learning. Good morning, Amy. And today we're going to do something a little different. And I think it's so important for us to take a step back, especially during this time, to talk about something that's so important to our listeners during this pandemic. So I'm happy that we're going to talk about the subject about how teachers are feeling right now during this pandemic. But we can also talk about some solutions too, right? Well, and that's what this podcast is all about. I feel like if we are going to point out the problems we're not doing anyone any service unless we also provide some solutions or at least a direction. And that's what we do on this podcast. We bring people in who have solutions, who look uh, for the positive outcomes and help us get there. And I think that's really important. Right, so I had a hard time with this one, Amy. So we were looking at Padlet, right? And so for anyone who doesn't know Padlet, it's a great tool and it's kind of a chalkboard, right? How would you describe it where everyone can participate in this discussion board? Right, um, right. And it's really unique and you can stem off someone's conversation, but it, it, it can be medicine, right? So in some ways that it's good to know that people are feeling what you feel, but then you have people that offer solution. So this is the first time that I've ever gone to Padlet and I've just seen so much doom and gloom. I'll, I'll just be honest. And I know we like to stay upbeat, but some of the things, the titles of these uh, topics, and these are by teachers, most of them I'm sure P through 12 teachers, scared, survivor's guilt, overwhelmed, why, weight loss induced by anxiety, toxic positivity, too much overwhelm. So we saw that title over and over and over, over and overwhelm. My worst fear, struggling teachers. So these are just a few topics. And I would say there are about 800 entries in this I would say one. So. Yeah. yeah. I've never, one I've never seen this before. Well, and I was, I stumbled on this Padlet uh, when I was uh, perusing Twitter and and when it what brought to my attention was the anonymous feature mm. this particular padlet you can only or only should post anonymously so it, it provides an outlet for people to just kind of unload it's it's not 
anyone seeking specific uh, outreach, because it is anonymous, you can't reach out to that particular person, but it does provide an outlet. But then, uh, pretty much that same day, I received a call for manuscripts. Uh, there was an open notice for the Kappa Delta Pi International Honor Society Journal, the Educational Forum. So this journal is seeking articles for its fall 2021 themed issue, Wholehearted Teaching and Learning, Exploring Authenticity, Self-Compassion, and Joy in schools and classrooms. That spoke to me. And, and then you have this Padlet that just goes straight up against this self-compassion. It, it, it's like it's beating its head against the wall and so many of us are. Um, there were actually 10 guideposts for responding to this call. And one of them really spoke to me. It says, cultivating meaningful work and letting go of self-doubt and supposed to, like, what else are we supposed to do? And I wanted to ask you about this idea of meaningful work. Like, what do you find meaningful in teaching? Oh my goodness. I think that teaching is who you are. I don't think that it's what you do. So a good teacher really embraces the whole concept of teaching. Um, and I look at, I try to look at teaching through the eyes of the student because my teaching is nothing without the outcome and how the students are the beneficiaries, right? So they're the beneficiaries of this. So it really doesn't matter what I like or any of that. I, constantly look at the outcome. What am I trying to achieve? What do I want the students to be able to do at the end of this? What do I want them to get out of that? And so that I can then align when I see that they are actually doing something and they're getting something, that that is my joy. Uh, and so with that, you have to come up with, the, I come up with all these strategies because they learn differently, right? Um, and so you come up with all these strategies to try to motivate them. Uh, so sometimes I feel like I'm an actor. You ever feel like you're an actor? When oh, you're absolutely. <laughs> it's my uh, class time is my show time. I, it is. I, you know, when we have been asked perhaps to record a lecture, uh, now that we are doing a lot of things remote, I can't just record a lecture. I can record the class. And when I'm lecturing in the class, if it's online, but I have a hard time just staring into my computer without anybody around because it's all about who the audience is. I know it is, it, it is difficult, you know, and teaching remotely and staring at the screen. One of the things I ask my students, please turn your cameras on. I have a hard time teaching to emptiness. And I can say, even online, I don't know if I'm having the same impact, you know? And so that's to be seen. I can't really tell if I'm having the same impact. I know that I'm not. So let's not kid ourselves. Well, and, and, uh, and teachers well, are posting on the Padlet that they don't feel like they're having that impact. Right. So Amy, I want to I read some of what's on the Padlet, okay? And I want you... let. 
I want you to react to some of these, but because this is this is amazing. And I think what we're trying to do is be normal in a time that's not normal. So maybe we need to get over that. So this one titled Gremlins. I feel so ineffective at everything. I am not teaching well, I am not leading well, nor am I parenting well or being a decent spouse. I know imposter syndrome is a real thing, but this insane situation has me with additional anxiety about being found out for being terrible at my job. So I looked up imposter syndrome. It's like, mm. is this a real yeah. thing? It's, it it's is a real, real thing. So it's like a feeling like, oh, I'm going to get caught that, you know, <laughs> the gig is up. People are going to know that I'm not really good at this. I'm just faking it. And I know that we, uh, you know, that term fake it until you make it is well, imposter syndrome, right? It, it is indeed. And imposter syndrome comes in, in almost every uh, field. I know I felt it and I know my advisor in my doctoral program explained it to me. She felt it too. She's like, um, I graduated from this university. I have my doctorate and they're going to find me out. That I felt that same way. They're going to find me out. I don't know enough. I need to go back to school. I need to figure more stuff out so that I've, I feel like I can contribute to this, this bigger world. And for this uh, K-12, I'm thinking teacher, uh, to feel that in every aspect, parenting, teaching, uh, leading, that's, that's heartbreaking. I know it is. And I guess I would say I felt like that sometimes. I feel like that sometimes, but you try to make it a good effort for that day and you've gotten through that day and you fooled them for that one day and you keep adding one more day and one more day and one more day. But I'm here to tell you, we all feel that way. I'm sure this is an amazing teacher and we are doing our best through an impossible situation. So here's another one. This person said, if I had any money to my name, I would quit tonight. This sucks. I work until midnight, each night trying to lock and load all of my links, lessons, etc. I never get ahead. I am working day by day, emails, endless emails, parents blaming me because their kids choose to stay in bed on the phone on video games instead of doing their work. Parents are blaming me because distance learning is hard. Amy, <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're a parent. Yes, and this is a challenging situation. Um, when uh, you're you know, up late, you're grading essays, that's in a normal situation. But now transitioning all of those best practices into a digital space, into remote learning, there's screen time that is um, going on and on. We have to let go of that self-doubt. I, I love what uh, the journal is suggesting here with how we can do that um, 
What are we doing to cultivate that meaningful work? This teacher is doing meaningful work. And this self-doubt and not feeling like it's ever enough, and there are some things that are supposed to be done, but we have to get to the point of letting go and, and, and feeding ourselves and I just you have to, to you have to admit it's hard because our days, especially if you're working from home, our days are blending into our personal lives. Last week, uh, I watched my three grandchildren for my daughter. My daughter is a third grade teacher. She has a five-year-old who's a kindergartner, a nine-year-old in fourth grade, and then she has the terrible two. Uh, and so, I had the kids the entire day. I had to get them ready for school. And her two older kids, they go off to school. The five and nine-year-old go off to school. I had to put one on the bus. I had to walk the dog. I'm still working. And this is a work day for me. I had to take the five-year-old to school. And I'm on a Zoom call in the car while I'm waiting to let her out. And I have the two-year-old in the back. And I had all these plans for the two-year-old. I am going to have my Zoom meeting while the two-year-old draws and eats and has her iPad. I mean, I had it all laid out. You know me, Amy, I had it on a chart of how this two-year-old right. was two going to be don't paid. follow charts. No. There's not a timeline for a two-year-old. <laughs> and I was like, oh, bo and, and it was just crazy. She was like, I want to eat. I was like, you just ate. I'm on a, I'm on a call. I want to eat. I was like, I want this. I want that. I was like, okay, wait. <laughs> and then I said, wait. And I turn around and she's going up the cabinet. She's like, no, she doesn't understand weight. I'll get it myself. So I just can't imagine my daughter's life of teaching from home remotely and raising her child and her family and trying to keep up. So it, it is difficult. And so we don't want anyone to think that it's easy. This is a pandemic. There's nothing easy about a pandemic, but this is not forever. And we're hoping that you learn some new tricks. I certainly learned some new tricks. I've learned a lot of with technology. I've learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about patience. I've learned that you just can't do everything. And this is this is a phase, you know, but it's it's we'll get we'll get through it. Well, and I think you and I are fortunate to be in higher education. We are somewhat in a tower and we have this view of trends in education. But it is our opportunity to respond to those big picture needs that local and states and the school districts, our local school districts have, but we also had those relationships with our students in our classrooms at the university. So what I really find meaning in is that telescope view, but also that microscope view. So I can implement these best practices and technology that I'm learning within my classroom and in my teaching but I can also have conversations with our local school districts and I can see what troubles they have and I can do research behind the scenes. We can talk to professionals in the field and share this information on our podcast. We can, uh, we can 
always be researching behind the scenes. Right. And it's, it's interesting that you mentioned we're in our little tower and kind of, I was so happy when my daughter came home and, you know, it's like tag your turn. Uh, and when she and her husband was like, here you go, here you go. I'll see you Thanksgiving. <laughs> but uh, so this, this person survivor's guilt, they write about survivor's guilt, which is kind of what you were talking about. I am teaching remotely while many of my colleagues teach in school hybrid uh, situations. I feel so guilty that they're constantly in danger and I am not. I worry for them every day and feel awful for electing to be the remote teacher instead of being with them. Wow. Wow. And, you know, this person was talking about remote teaching being lonely. Um, but some people would rather be lonely than being in the in-person situation of maybe higher risks. And what we can do though is be supportive. And I think that really the, the goal of this Padlet, I'm, I'm glad the person created it. It's a place to unload and to see how many people are in the same situation. But Yet, I think we need to rise and use each other to step up and forward as well. Um, you know, I, and that actually kind of makes me wonder what is so different now than in the spring. So in the spring, the support for teachers was like at an all-time high. You know, I, I saw posts all over the place. Yeah. Teachers and it was should be paid a billion great, dollars. Great appreciation for teachers. Yeah. yeah, it's like it was, it was nationwide. It's like they need to, you know, because I think they felt that they were only trying to make it to June. Well, exactly, exactly. So what's happened in the fall compared to the spring? I'm, I'm not getting. Why? Well, I, I see that there's a big difference. I think you're looking at, this is a pandemic. It takes a village. We all need to get through it. And it's only for a few months. And then what did we find out in the summer? That COVID-19 is not going away. COVID-19 doesn't get better until we are vaccinated. So the reality kicks in that we're in this for the long haul. And so there's so many challenging things. You have parents that are trying to earn income and they're having to go to work and they can only big borrow, ask for favors so much when other people may be helping them with their children. Uh, so to do this in you know, a short sprint is easy. But when you're running that marathon, it's difficult and it's tiring. And we don't know when it's going to end. So in March, you know, we said, you know, we saw the light at the end of the tunnel. Let's just make it to June. Mm -hmm. But now we don't know where that tunnel ends. And so, you know, we're struggling through this day by day uh, and trying to create a new normal in a situation that's not normal. No, uh, it's not. And you know, contractually, 
summer is usually for personal professional growth rejuvenation oh it was not that way this no. summer Amy. no no, no not at all. we no. were preparing for what was to come this summer there were a lot of additional committees and meetings and preparation for the fall there was a lot of uh, technology training so the teachers they really worked through the summer so there has not been a break um so i get it i i, I get how they're feeling especially feeling overwhelmed and not being able to give their all to their students because I think parents realize too, the school serves a huge purpose, not just academically. You know, your students were fed there, they were educated, they received social services, they received physical education, you know, art, all these things that are so important for our mental health as well. And so those things, those things are, you know, they're hard to do remotely. So those elements are, are missing. So we get it and it is difficult. Uh, but I do think talking about it like this, having some support, teachers that are doing it well, providing some advice. And I know that you're doing it well, Amy. Uh, what kind, what, what's some advice that you would have for teachers? One thing that I think works really well uh, is a check-in. Is, uh, I'll just share that in my children's lit class, I have freshmen, sophomore, juniors, and seniors of various age, various ages in this college class. Uh, maybe they are in early childhood, education major, elementary, social work. So quite a few different kinds of perspectives, but what everyone needed for nearly 30 minutes uh, in my most recent class was just to check in. Uh -huh. Just say, you know, they needed somebody to say, how are you doing? And they shared how they're doing. And of course I can make a connection we are, we are reading realistic fiction. Think about your children. Think about the students you will be teaching in the future. They need check-ins too. And I think that administrators need to have an opportunity for those check-ins. You know, the smile, the thumbs up, hey, I've got you. You know, you're doing great. You know, the fist bump, that's, that's good in the moment. Right. But having those check-in times to say, what, what is it that you need right now? And students need that, teachers need that, and just providing that space. So we need, so they need support right now. So let me ask you, so what do you think about accountability in terms of testing and maybe attendance? What should we be doing about those accountabilities? And I know we struggle with that in higher ed. You know, right. we have to go through accreditation and we're expecting our students to achieve at different levels. And it's not happening for a number of reasons right now. So what do you think, what should be done right now with testing, these high stakes tests and even attendance? You know, I think that um, our social, emotional learning objectives are top priority. 
that's where we need to be looking at our curriculum, looking at the way we interact with students and seeing, are they, are they, their basic needs being met first? Uh, engaging and having those conversations, we'll get to the other content. It will be met. I have no doubt that if we have conversations uh, with our students that we can spark inquiry, we can spark interest in our subjects, but we need to tone down how we're assessing them right now. And honestly, I've had to change how I assess because by the end of the day, looking at a screen and grading discussion board posts and things that would normally have been a group conversation on a big piece of poster board um, in a presentation to the class, to their peers, it's not happening right now. So I know that uh, we have lots of different people we're bringing in on the podcast who can speak to other points of engagement and other tips and, and tools for teaching and learning you know, mindfulness, uh, technology tips, uh, our English learner needs, um, homework. Right. You know, about our diversity, uh, equity in remote teaching and learning. Um, so those are just some topics that I know will uh, speak to our, least, to our listeners and really uh, let them know that we're doing what we can to support. We're to um, support you and we hope that we hope that you will make it through right they will make it through and we want our listeners to provide us with feedback what other topics do you want us to talk about uh, so whatever you're interested in that's what we're interested in sharing absolutely it's been great talking to you today joy I look forward to more conversations like this. Yes, definitely. See you soon, Amy. Thank you for listening to Teaching and Learning Theory versus Practice with Dr. Amy Viaclia and Dr. Joy Patterson. We hope that you have been inspired by this conversation and will join us again as we talk about trends in education and perspectives on teaching. We welcome your comments and feedback. What conversations are you interested in hearing? We'll leave it up to you, our listeners. Did theory or practice win the match? I think it was theory probably this time. Uh, practice. Until next time, we're Dr. Amy. And Dr. Joy. <laughs>